guys. Welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. Uh, we are blessed to be joined by Antonio Cromarty. David, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, talk with me today. I'm super excited to talk to you. I see a potential cornerback one. I uh, can move very well. Does can play man to man very well. I think that he is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. He does things that are so amazing, and the competitor in him is just special. Um, I'm excited, man, and I I can't wait to get there. I think it does really fit my skill set. Who oh, I think we need a new intro. Uh, yeah, we need to get rid of JJ. Yeah, we need a new intro. That, that, that's yeah. not fun to watch anymore. Yeah, if anybody wants to email the owner of the Houston Texans, there's his email address for you. Cal McNair at HoustonTexans.com. You guys tell him that you're fucking displeased with the way this fucking team plays and that you're tired of the fucking lack of effort, that you're tired of them not taking fucking risk on calendar on fucking character guys, that you're tired of fucking losing games that you shouldn't fucking lose. There it is, right there. Cal McNair at, or C. McNair at HoustonTexans.com. Tell them that you're fucking tired of this shit. I think you need to add uh, Jamie Roots to that as well. He's a fucking loser. Who the fuck wants to read his leadership book? Get the fuck out of here. I could write a better fucking leadership book than he can. You know how he got that job? By being fucking white. Fuck out of here. And he's been there since day one. I actually put, you know what, it, ultimately it is the McNair's fault. Um, because they let him run the team. But he's the guy that's actually running everything. He's the one that runs the operations. And he said, and I said this on Twitter the, or yesterday, and it's, and I want to make sure we uh, discuss it on, on the show as well, but he said the quiet part out loud um, when he was talking about his book. He said, who? He's like, other teams come up to him all the time, and they're like, it doesn't matter if y'all are winning or lose. You still hit all the metrics. And when he said metrics, he was talking about the finances. The team makes money. He's been able to detach the financial aspects from winning and losing. So that was this guy's goal. That's what he's so proud of and what he gets to congratulate himself for. What does that mean for us as fans? That means they don't give a shit. And it's kind Jamie, of obvious. Jamie Roots looks like he drives an ice cream truck to lure little kids in. Fuck that guy, too. Fuck them all. I don't give a fuck how many bridges this burns. I, I'm i so fucking tired of this shit. I'm, I'm serious. I'm fucking tired of it. I can't fucking do it anymore. It's a fucking waste of time and passion and emotion and fucking love. All of this is fucking awful. Watching a 10-7 to 7 fucking football game is – it's un, it's 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 unfathomable. It's unfathomable to be that fucking bad on a Sunday. That fucking bad. It's it's imp- honestly, if you played any other football team 17 times straight, you would never get that result. It is fucking awful. We're a fucking embarrassment. Everything about it is fucking embarrassing. Sure, Bill O'Brien, embarrassing. David Johnson, embarrassing. All these fucking things are all embarrassing. Everything about it, the lack of effort, the lack of coaching, the lack of players, the lack of talent, the lack of fucking office management, the lack of fucking roster personnel moves, the lack of fucking holding each other accountable, the lack of fucking J.J. Watt staying disciplined and sticking to his fucking gaps instead of continuing to go outside like he has for the last fucking seven years, leaving a fucking huge hole the size of the fucking ocean 
on the right side of the fuck of him, and there's it, I'm fucking tired of it all. I'm tired of it all. It makes me not want to be a fan anymore. It really does. I, doing this podcast was fun and all that shit. Now it's fucking not. All of it is just fucking depressing and sad, and it's an it's it's a fucking utter embarrassment, is what the fuck it is. Sorry, but it's true. I'm not gonna argue with you. I mean, I feel the same way. Like we su- we suffered through. What was it when uh, Deshaun got hurt uh, four and was it four and fourteen? Two and fourteen. Two and fourteen. Sorry, two and fourteen. We suffered through that. We were here every single week. But why do we suffer through that? Why do we suffer through that, John? There was we a point. What was that hope? hope? What was that hope? Sean Watson. We saw him. Yep. And yep. he gave us hope. Yep. And we thought we were going to turn around and, you know, the, the franchise was on was on the ascent. Like, yep. Colts fans were going, oh, no, Deshaun Watson is good. This is the darkest timeline. Like, play, we were we were excited. Other teams were scared. And then this happened. This is the year that everything, all of your chips are pushed in. This is when everything's supposed to happen. This is year four of a rookie quarterback contract. This is when you have the most flexibility, when you could get the guys, and it's been squandered. Like, this is it. This is this was the window, and not only is it bad, it is so unfathomably bad that we have a top-five quarterback. He is still a top-five quarterback. And it's painful to watch. Like who the who who in their right mind ever thought that that was gonna that would be possible? How can you have a player like Deshaun Watson and you don't want to watch fucking football? Like it's an absolute chore. It's painful to get through. Our coaching staff is so incredibly bad and incompetent. I don't. I know that Bill O'Brien was fired, but the entire staff needs to go to salvage anything out of this season. And at this point, there is no salvaging. I find it hard to believe that there's not um, that there's not coaches out on the street that could do a better job than what we currently have in the office. And what concerns me most about this group is how much are they stunning the development of the young players that we do have? Because we do got a few that we thought would be a little bit better than they are. But at this rate, with the coaching staff that they have and as stunning as they are, like they're just totally fucked. And for DeAndre. DeAndre Baker, like, you offer him an actual roster spot. You do whatever you can to sign him. However, I may still take a practice spot on a team like the Chiefs because I'll actually get coached up. You come here, look what we've done to our young guys in the secondary. Like, why would you take that risk? And this is all coaching. We have talented guys. I still stand by that. I still believe that. We do have talented guys. They are just being put in bad situations. They're trying to do too much. And it's it just it snowballs like it absolutely snowballs, and a lot of these guys it's not their fault, but this is the worst coach team I have ever watched, and I had to I, I suffered through Will Muschamp at South Carolina, so <laughs> I mean it's not fun. Like I I I know Jordan said he's going to be here at nine fifty. I don't really know how we're going to make it till uh, nine fifty tonight. <laughs> Because I don't have that much to talk about. Like, I didn't want to rewatch the game. I didn't want to look up the stats. I didn't want to do any sort of research. Like, that was the most unfun game that I've ever watched without Deshaun getting hurt. Yeah. Um, look, it's 
the issue with the team right now is the incompetency that is happening. Okay. Ultimately, the, the biggest issue that we have is the fact that we are so incompetent on all sorts of uh, of levels. It, it's it's sad. You would think that it's not possible if you have a coaching staff who's at least has some experience because I have no experience. You know, honestly, at the point where I'm at now, hire Garrick Jones for general manager. At this point, why not? It can't be worse than what you have currently. Literally, mathematically, it cannot be worse than what you currently have. And I am not a Garrick Jones supporter. I don't think he deserves a shot. I'd rather him than Jack Easterby or Jamie Roots being involved in anything. Honestly, I, I, I can't understand it. From, you know, DeAndre Baker, one, one issue. You suck in the secondary. You have literally one corner that can play. One. You have Bradley Roby. He's your only corner that's worth being on the field at any given time. And no disrespect to John Reed, who has not had the chance to shine, who's also not received the proper coaching, but you have veterans all around you, and you are not – you have no reason to not put him on the active roster. You have zero. There's no reason. Sign him. Tack McKinley. Sure. Behavioral issues, personality issues, all these issues in Atlanta – Still more talented than anybody you have on defense as of right now from a pass rushing perspective. You are lacking draft picks. You are lacking draft capital. You are lacking cap. And you literally just let two first-round talents sign with other teams because you don't have anybody in the front office that's capable or or understands the way this league works to take risks on guys. Fuck the character. Fuck everything. Can you play football? Can you line up on the outside and and shadow a wide receiver? Can you line up on the outside and go against a left tackle? Those are areas that we need help in. It doesn't hurt to bring them in. Yeah, no. You're not I mean, impacting that's the, the entire reason why we ha- why we have these guys that are supposed to be high character guys. So you create an atmosphere that you can bring in bad characters. Like that is and I mean that is just bullshit. <laughs> it's just it really is like at the end of the day it is their responsibility as a franchise to put the best product they can out there and right now that is not that product me and Jordan and you could get together and run a better franchise than what they're currently doing over there and I'm usually the guy that kind of defers like these guys have been in football their entire life you know they have their reasons whatever they know what they're right now I don't know what happened over there? Some of these guys, I, I'm sure Rack has forgotten about, more about football than I'll ever know. But whomever is in charge of football operations, whether it's Jamie Rooney, Cal McNair, Jack Easterby, whomever it really is, they need to go. Because they don't care. And that's the problem. They just don't care. It's almost like the Rick Smith, Bill O'Brien, instead of having a leadership that would smooth it over, they're like, well, I'm just going to get rid of them. Because that will make it easier. And then you put somebody in like Brian Gain who who missed all of his chances because he was way too passive. But apparently maybe it made an easier work environment. I don't know. But that's kind of the feeling that I'm getting that they've made decisions that will make easier work environments 
And then Bill O'Brien tried to do way too much of everything, and his ego got out of control. And now we're in this mess because this guy couldn't control his ego. And you have, again, a top-five quarterback. We had talent on the defense. We have a lot of talent on the offense. Like, we shouldn't be 31st in, run, in both running and stopping the run. Like, you have to try to be that bad at both facets of the game. Like, it just boggles my mind. And it hurts, and it's painful, and this is not fun to watch. And it, I don't have any joy right now. Like, how, how, how can this happen? We have Deshaun Watson as our quarterback. And it's not fun to watch football. With Deshaun at quarterback, like, the biggest concern I have is just that we're going to fuck that up, too. Oh, yeah, we are. Like, like you not- know, it's funny. Like, all off season, you know, you saw people like, oh, Deshaun wants out of Houston. Deshaun wants this. Deshaun wants that. And it's like up until this point, I never believed that. No matter who, like, what relationships I have with people, I, I never believed that that would be the case. But then now it's like you look at the situation from the outside. And he's on the inside, so he, he sees it even worse than we do. Why would he want to be here? Why why would any player want to be here? Why would any star whose entire goal is winning, specifically in regards to Deshaun, his entire life has been dedicated to winning. He's dedicated his whole life to this craft. He works on it so much. He puts in all the effort that you can, and yet – he has to know that this franchise isn't going to go anywhere. Like Jamie Root's comments and things like that, like that that was very eye-opening. You know, it didn't come from Cal. So, you know, that's, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I can't believe you said that. I'm going to cancel my season tickets. You know, that was under the old regime. I don't know enough about Cal to say that's Cal's mantra. That's Cal's approach. There hasn't been enough time for us to see what what Cal is going to do and how he'll act as an owner. But when Jamie Roots came in and that was his whole formula and things of that nature, that was all under Bob McNair. Um, and so, you know, maybe that was the case at the time. You know, I mean, and maybe it was because you couldn't win as an expansion team. You know, you couldn't win. It's, it was going to take time to win. So, sure, maximize your business, maximize your revenue, maximize your profit, make as much money as possible. Like, totally makes sense. I totally understand that. And I think that people, business people will understand where Jamie was coming from. I think it came out wrong. I, I don't like Jamie the way that he worded If he was a smart businessman, if he was a – I mean, if he wrote a book on leadership, um, he should have understood at that moment that that conversation should have totally went in another direction um, because he just sent a message to his – the entire football organization outside of just the players and coaches. He sent it to the PR team. He sent it to the web team. He sent it to the IT team. He sent it to the sales team. He sent. So there's so many different parts of the Texans organization that we don't talk about. We talk about the players and coaches, but there's so many other parts that are impacted. And uh, that hurt him. That hurt the sales department. Hands down, that hurt the sales department. Because why is anybody going to want to support a team that isn't focused on winning, but only focused on making money? Right. How do you how do you sell that? That's a really hard. I'm a salesman. That's a hard sell to make. It can be done, but it's a hard sell. So, um, yeah, I, I just can't understand it. And I'm hoping that Cal is is a better owner. I hope that Cal has an understanding of what he's doing. Um, but, you know, if he did, uh, I feel like there would be things that have been done that aren't being done right now. Right. 
we hear Rack every week talking about, oh, yeah, we got to teach the gap discipline. We got to te- teach patience. We got to teach, you know, getting back to the basics. Okay, it's been five weeks now. Okay? You haven't done any of that. You haven't gotten better at any of that. What are you doing next? What is next? So fire the entire interim staff. Fire them all, or, or first fire Rack, promote Weaver. Let Weaver run his defense, because I don't believe that's Anthony Weaver's defense. I, I honestly don't. I, I, I don't think that Anthony Weaver is putting out his guys, his scheme, his play calling. It, 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 looks, it, looks, too, it looks too similar to uh, what we've seen from Rack in the past. There, there's so many different things going on, so many different inklings of what we've seen from Rack. If that doesn't work in two weeks, fire Anthony Weaver, promote Tim Kelly. If that doesn't work in two weeks, fire Tim Kelly, promote Tracy Smith. Like, do something. Because what you're doing right now is not working. Yeah, I believe Anthony Weaver is being forced to run a, an Anthony Weaver version of the Rack defense. Like, he's not allowed to run his defense. Rack, because he, he doesn't have the expertise to run it. Like, Rack could get more out of this defense, I think, if he was the defensive coordinator. Because he has put handcuffs on on Weaver. Like, I honestly think. Because Weaver came out and he was aggressive and they were mixing things up at the beginning of the season and that's all gone. All gone. So, yeah. If Rack isn't, he probably isn't running it directly, but he's probably told Anthony Weaver exactly how he wants it ran. And right now, Weaver's doing a poor imitation of a Rack defense and he doesn't know how to run it. And that's an issue. And honestly, though, like, I mean, just some of the blown coverages and things like that, I honestly believe that we could find a coach on the street that can do a better job. Like, bring somebody else in. Bring some new blood in. Again, this goes back to what I was saying just a couple of minutes ago. We are destroying some of these guys' careers because they are being so badly coached. And what I'm really, really worried about is Jamie Roots is the guy that's supposed to be hiring the GM. That's what Cal uh, said. He's when he was no, asked Cal said about, he's hiring. Cal said he's hiring an outside consulting firm to hire the GM. He said when he was asked if Jack Easterby was going to have input on uh, the GM hiring. Right. He said, he said no. no he'll Jamie's. focus. No, he said no. He'll focus on football operations. I hope I'm wrong because if if it's Jamie Roots, like I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. Um, Let's see if I can find the exact quote. I mean, it's just all of it is just too much. Like we're 20 minutes in, I have no reason. Like, what am I supposed to talk about here? Like, well, what do we? What do you guys want to hear? You guys want to hear us talk about how how Deshaun struggled in in bad weather? Like, okay, Deshaun had a bad game. I'm not going to chalk that up to Deshaun Watson. Like, you know, on Pharaoh Brown's touchdown, like Will right. Will Fuller Will Fuller was standing right next to Pharaoh Brown. Like the spacing on the routes is just awful. I don't understand. Any, I don't understand anything about our offense. It makes zero sense. Um, you know, we continue to run Duke up the middle. Like, sure, Duke had a good game, um, but if we're considering what we've seen in the past, you know, this year, in you know, from a rushing perspective, but um, there's just there's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to talk about. Yes, the first half, the rush defense, the run defense looked great. And then what? What happened? I don't know. I'm not going to watch the fucking All-22 and dedicate my time to, to breaking down and telling you what happened because it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. They're going to go back to what they've done the last nine weeks. 
I can tell you what they need to do, but it's not going to matter because that's not what's going to happen. They're not changing anything. They just keep hoping for the different results by doing the same thing. It's the definition of insanity. That should never happen. It, it, it's just it's, – it's so bothersome to think about what this does. But it's funny because now, like, I'm starting to, like, consider, like, I have so many other things going on in life, and I'm like, you know what, like, maybe I'm just dedicating too much time to a football team as a grown man. Maybe, maybe there's just – Maybe there's more to life than than at football, because I, I don't want to wake up frustrated. I don't want to drive to Houston for three hours to go hang out with my buddies and watch football, and the entire time we're just laughing at how bad the team is. That's what happened on Sunday. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I mean, we care way too much about winning and not being embarrassed, and. James is gone. Is he, is he coming back? Oh, for a second there, I thought, did, did he just quit? I quit. I'm done. <laughs> what were you saying? Um, Go ahead. No, I mean, we care. I mean, we care way too much. Obviously, we started a podcast. We care about winning. We care not about not being embarrassed. Like we just want to watch fun football. Like we've even talked about it previously that. Even if the Texans are bad, if they're fun to watch, that's something. But we don't even get that when they're bad because they're so poorly coached. I mean, they just – like, the team looks miserable out there. And they're taking their frustrations out on the wrong people. Like, I can't believe that, like, anybody in the secondary can possibly clap back at anybody on Twitter, but they're doing it. They're running their mouths off. And, like, guys, y'all are the worst defense in the league. You need to get your shit straight before you start running your mouth off to guys on Twitter. I mean, at least we cut DeAndre Carter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just – look, the game on Sunday was was awful. Like, it was just awful. Um, and sub seven, I can actually – I've done that multiple times to sell me this pen. It's a very fun activity. So it's, it's a really good activity for salespeople, by the way. Um yeah, I don't know, man. I guess I'm over the whole heat. It just, it, you know, it's like I want to come here and I want to talk about games and I want to talk about film and I want to talk about things that we saw and what I watched and, and things of that nature. But it's just, it's it's pointless. Yeah, it's not fun to watch it. Like, well, it's not even that. So bad. It's not but, fun to watch it. But it's not that. It's like we can perform the analysis. We can tell you what we saw or what I saw. And what I learned from it, and that's great. Like we'll learn as listeners, and you guys will we'll learn together. And I love that aspect of it. That's my favorite part. But like at the same time, we're going to be talking about that every week. It'll be the same things. It's literally the same things every week. Like why are we bad at, at run defense? Well, because we aren't disciplined in our gaps. Like it, that's literally all it boils down to. And the and, and, and can't stay in our gaps. Can't set an edge. Can't stay in our gaps. Okay, so that's the basics of run defense, and those are the things that Rack keeps preaching, but we haven't gotten any better at it. Why can't we cover anybody? It's because we don't have talented corners. We have no talented corners outside of Roby, and Roby can't do it all. Why is Justin Reed so bad this year? It's because we're asking him to do everything on the back end. We don't let our players get comfortable in one position. Instead, we move them around. Yep. Yeah, and, and we move them around and, and try to find the versatility thing, and they can't get comfortable in their position, so therefore they can never be a master of a position. 
they are always just average at a position. Justin Reed thrives as a single high coverage safety. He is not a box safety. I've been screaming this for two years. He is not a box safety. He's, an, he's a good tackler at times, but he's not a box safety. He should be playing single high and, a, and, and cover. We don't ask him to do that. We ask him to come down, play in the box. What do you expect? He's a tiny guy. Uh, sure, he plays with an attitude, and he's, he can lower his shoulder, and he can hit. But at the same time, like, what do you want him to do? Lonnie Johnson played corner all last year. Now you're asking him to play safety next to Justin Reed, and you're switching their roles. You're letting Lonnie go back and play deep safety while Justin comes in the box, then you're playing Justin deep safety, and Lonnie's coming into the box. Let him let him master one. Let him get better. Let him get at least average at one of those positions. It's crazy to me. This entire this entire season is just nuts. And my biggest concern is that we are headed down Browns territory. If we get this hire wrong and we settle and we don't do our due diligence and, and interview the right people, we are going to be in the position that the Jets are currently in, that the Browns were in, and it's just going to be this rinse and repeat cycle. And nobody wants that. Nobody even wants to hear that. But that's the path we're headed on because I have seen nothing from upper management or ownership to make me think otherwise. You know, Cal, if Cal's smart and he's a good owner, he would see – he doesn't have to be a football genius. He would see that there are at least 10 corners available on, in, in free agency, and he could sign three or four of them and likely feel the better secondary, okay? He chose not to do that. Um, and my dad keeps FaceTiming me. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it's just – it's it's pathetic. It, yeah, we're gonna be... it's just pathetic. Oh, my God. Okay, if I don't answer, like, um, I obviously can't talk, Pops. We're going to be in this awkward situation. I don't think I don't think we'll be as bad as the Browns because we – or the Browns or the Lions where we don't win a game every year. But two to five wins, if they screw up this coach, yeah, because it's a huge hole. It's absolutely a huge hole. The right GM-coach combo, it's not that big of a hole. But this isn't something that you could come in and – Without a plan, you've got to. They've got to get this right. For the right guys, it's not that big of a hole. But what has this front office done that has inspired us to think that they can make the right moves? Like, Nothing. I mean, seriously. Like everybody said, like it's all about facts. Like, what what have you honestly seen? What they they fired Bill O'Brien. Okay. They fired, but they also empowered Bill O'Brien to trade DeAndre Hopkins for peanuts. After a 24-0 blowout loss, not blowout, but, you know, up 24-0, lost the game after, you know, six or seven or ten straight TDs, whatever it is, and you let him stick around after seeing that performance and empowered him to make roster moves that would impact the future of your team for the next two to three years. Then, after four weeks, you fire him. If that was on the table in week four, that had to be on the table after the playoff loss. Had to be. And if it wasn't, that's just another issue. Well, I mean, he signed off on the on the Hopkins trade. 
if you if somebody walked in with that return and we've said it and we've beat it and this is a dead horse that I need to leave alone, but if somebody walked in and it's like, hey, this is what we're getting for Hop, it's like, no, we're not. We try again. At the time, especially under that contract, Hopkins was probably our second most valuable asset. And if we can recoup what we got for Tunsil, like those things make sense. Like that sort of trade makes sense. But for the return that we ended up getting, that doesn't make sense. And again, we tried to make sense of it. Like I'm, I'm not going to take that back and not say, but we did shit on the return when it, when it happened. Like we said, hey, our biggest problem with this at the time, like it hurt to trade Hop because we love him and he's a great player and he's. He's a fantastic person to follow, and it was great to have him on the team. But you can understand moving star players. I mean, we it'll be painful when JJ's traded uh, for most of us, um, but you can understand if you get a good return. But DeAndre Hopkins should get a bigger return than what JJ Watt would end up getting, and he didn't. That was an issue. And if our ownership was actually paying attention and actually cared, you would turn him around and say, no, 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 you go fix that. Like, you do not okay that sort of trade. And there's no way that trade gets okayed unless the ownership had a say in it because of who he was. And Cal even tried to defend it like we we can't pay him. Well, Cal, if you have any sense in business, you don't – just because you can't pay for something doesn't mean you give it up. Like, if that's your most valuable asset that's already paid for, like, you don't waste that. So – that isn't that to me is more concerning. That to me is they've got to get the higher right, and if they get the higher right and they don't even and they stay away from whomever, like they bring them on and part of the deal is whomever that GM is can run everything, then I have faith. But if they bring on a GM and then they still have Jack Easterby in some sort of role, Jamie Roots in some sort of non-business role. Like if all that happens, then we're we're so fucked. And and here's the thing: if you make the right hire, this can be quick. It can be quick. Okay, if you get the right guy, if you get the right GM who can maximize the current roster, quick a little you know quick turnaround in certain positions, you know draft well with what you have next year, sign some key veterans that can play at you know at an average level. And then the following season, draft right and a coach with the right scheme who has a smart coaching staff who's willing to listen. You could turn this around after next year. You really can. There's a, there's enough talent on on the offense to where a couple moves on offense and you can turn around the offense and it can be not a, necessarily a powerhouse. But it will be it, it, it will be much better than what we've seen from a Texans offense in the last five to six or seven years. On the defensive side, it's going to take a smart head coach that teaches fundamentals and basics and drives it into the brain of his players and understands and discipline and holds them accountable. Correct. You can see a turnaround. I'm not saying that we're going to go from the 32nd ranked defense to the 15th, but we can go 32 to 24, 32 to 22, just with average play. And the offense can do enough. If we had the 22nd ranked defense right now, we would be 500 easily. Yeah. Like, that's why it's not that – this is not that big of a turnaround because there is talent. 
you just have to have the right guys. And then you get the right coach. And part of the reason why um, I'm beginning to actually come over to the Eberfluss side is he gets a hold of guys, and they do well for him, and they don't do well anywhere else. So you can give him trash, and he's going to make something a workable product. So we're going to need somebody that can do something like that. And if we get yep. that guy, like with our quarterback, we will be competitive next year. Yeah, I think here, he, Mr. Sinister brings up like a perfect point, and, I, and this is this will resonate a lot with a lot of you right now. So what the Rockets are doing with James Harden and Russell Westbrook, while I do find it hilarious what is happening. Uh, only because I don't like James Harden. But at the end of the day, what the Rockets are doing is they're playing hardball. They understand that those are the two assets that they have that are going to return the highest level of investment from every other team in the NBA. They have made it very clear to everybody, if you want these players, you will be paying a premium, and we will not accept anything less than a premium. We are willing to go into the season with a toxic locker room and upset superstars if we have to. But we are not going to cripple our franchise because of two superstars being upset. 100%. That is how you handle it. That is exactly how you handle it. And I, I forgot the guy's name, whoever the new GM is. I forgot his name. Raphael Stone, right? Yep. Fantastic job. I'll tell you right now. The Rocket, Rockets fans are in 10 times a better position right now than they would be if Daryl Morey was here. Love Daryl Morey. Analytics, all, all the things he built on, great. He provided a contender for the last 10 years almost, all right? But at the end of the day, he would have traded James Harden for whatever James Harden wanted. But that isn't happening because that's not how you run a business. I have something you want or I have something you need. You're going to pay me a premium to get these players or these things from my business. And if you cannot, then I will hold on to these valuable assets because as a business, whether I'm winning or losing, James Harden and Russell Westbrook are going to put money in my bank. So it doesn't matter. I applaud the Rockets 100% for what they're doing. I think it is the smartest move. I love to see that they have big balls and they're putting them on the table and they're saying, we don't give a shit who you are as a player or what you've done for this franchise. That is how you handle business. And that is what we should have been doing for the last two years. I love Tunsil. I'm still a fan of the trade to an extent we would have never had to make that trade had Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien had some big balls and just paid Dwayne Brown, who's playing at a high level still. But at the same time, we are in that position. I do like Lermy. I think he is a top two tackle, and he's not two. Um, but at the end of the day, this entire situation that we're in is just it's bad management. It's bad management. And if you guys aren't happy with it, there's Cal McNair's email address right there. Everybody, Stephanie Stradley did the fan feedback email. She she said to go fan feedback at HoustonTexans.com. Fuck that. I'm gonna raise it up a bar. That's his actual email address that he gets, not his assistant, not his gatekeeper. That goes to Cal McNair's phone right now. Blow that shit up from 10 p.m. until 7 a.m. Don't don't email him during the day when he's conducting business. No, he's not gonna see your email. 
It's going to be Barry. Send it when he's at home and he's sitting in the bed eating, you know, filet mignon and lobster, okay? Send it now. Let him know you're not happy. Let him know that Jack Easterby is not okay to stay in this position. Let him know that I will cancel my season ticket. I did. I took myself off the wait list. I'm not going to be on the wait list again. I can care less. This is out of hand. He needs to know. This entire situation is just fucked up. I just can't, I honestly can't believe that we have Deshaun Watson and we are fucking, we've won two games and both of them are against the Jacks. Can't believe it. I, I honestly don't understand it. In a season where Deshaun Watson is having a career year in every statistical category that you could ever want your quarterback to be in. Do you know that Deshaun Watson is the only quarterback, active quarterback in the NFL to never have a PFF score under 60 in the NFL? Ever. Think about everything he's been through. Never had a game under 60. Yes. It's, it's, uh, we're, we're wasting Deshaun, and that's going to be the most painful thing I've ever watched. Well, you're watching it. And we've got to we've got to get the ship. The ship has to get re- Like, I, I don't – I'm – at this point, it's just recycling the same things that we've said because they're all true. Like, this is Deshaun Watson. This is a quarterback that comes around once in a lifetime. We have him. And we're going to waste him. We had a player like like J.J. Watt, um, regardless of anything, once in, really, truly once in a generational defensive player. Like, there's not going to be another defensive player that has a three-year stretch like he did. We wasted him. Then we've got, we've done that with, we wasted Arian Foster, and painfully, I mean, Andre Johnson, There, there's receivers that come along like him, but not many, and we wasted him. But of all those, wasting Deshaun Watson will be the most painful. Because that's what the way, that's the lie that we have been told that is now officially a lie. If you have an elite quarterback, everything else will fall into place. We have an elite quarterback. Everything's fallen to pieces. We are now the exception that proves the rule. Like, how? How? Like, I honestly, like me, you, and Jordan could go run the team and make better personnel decisions. I'm almost at the point where we could make better coaching decisions. And we don't know as much as these guys but they have – I don't know what they have going on. Like, I don't see why they're making everything so much more difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's just the whole thing is just um, – it's troubling. The fact that we're going to have to come back here week after week and, and, and be upset and not have fun and not provide an entertaining podcast and not, you know, an, an informative podcast. Like, to our listeners, like, I'm sorry – that today is what you're hearing. Like there's just so much has been uh, like, it's like enough is enough. Like there's just, there's so many bad things going on. There's no end in sight, which is the biggest concern for me. Like, and like the AFC South, by the way, like once, once the Colts get a long-term quarterback, good luck. Good luck. That defense is just going to get even better. 
and they all have young rookies. Like, that team is going to be very good for a very long time. How can a co-ed owner like Ursay? Because I mean, they're, he okay. lucked into the right people, and he got the right people. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. Like, when it comes to, like, the, the like look, Cokehead and Pill Guy, DUI, all these things, right? But at the end of the day, the smart businessmen in the NFL understand that winning will bring you more long-term revenue than anything else. So you have to ask yourself as an owner or as a fan, what type of owner do you have? Do you have an owner who is satisfied with the status quo and being a top 10 sports franchise in the, in the, in, in, you know, in all of sports, which is the Texans, or are they still trying to get to that three, that two, that one spot? And he is not doing that. He is comfortable where he is. He's fine with going to bed every night, knowing he has a franchise worth $5.7 billion. He has no reason to strive for 10. He's complacent. That is why the roster is complacent. That's why the players are complacent. That's why the coaches are complacent. Because management and leadership all trickles downhill. All of You know this, John. It all starts at the top. Anybody who's ever been in a position of power understands when you go to work that day and you're in a bad mood, you set the tone for your entire staff at that point. And it trickles downhill. And it's contagious. And it affects everybody else. Cal McNair is okay with making, you know, being worth $5.6 billion. Either that or he's selling the team. I've seen that floated. I don't know that that's the case. I've, I've, I've seen it. People mention it. I don't think that's true. You know, there was a story, I forgot where it was, that Cal basically, you know, didn't want the team, that he inherited the team, and that, you know, this is just something that he's doing because he's supposed to. Maybe he sells the team. That could be the best thing for this franchise is if Cal McNair does sell the team. There's no other city for them to go to, so you guys don't have to worry about a relocation. They're not going to go to Iowa. They're not going to go to Wyoming. There's no place for them to go right now. They already have one. I mean, I guess technically they can go back to San Diego, but I think the Chargers will go there first. But maybe, maybe that's the thing. You know, maybe that that's the thing. But at the end of the day, um, he he could care less about winning, and he's showing it right now. He's showing our hand, his hand to everybody. So, and it's just painful. It's just absolutely painful. I, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've only got a couple of minutes before Jordan shows up, so I'm going to light that one last match. What did you think about the uh, possibility of Rack staying on? Uh, I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't buy it. I don't buy. I don't buy that. That's a real thing. I don't buy that. That's a real story. Um. But if there was a organization that would make that decision, it would be this one. You know, they don't like change. Change is uncomfortable. It makes it harder for everybody. They would have to bring in a new PR. I mean, they're going to have to bring in a new PR person, but they're just going to have to change all sorts of things. And uh, I, I, I don't know if I don't I don't know if I don't buy the story based on the report that Ian wrote. 
there was a lots of maybes. It looks like it can be. This is something they're evaluating. There's no surefire quote in there that made me think that I should believe that this report is true. Um, so I don't buy the report, but we're also hearing no rumblings about anything. Like there are GMs capable of that should be interviewed right now. We should be interviewing general managers right now. We shouldn't be waiting. Even if you don't like the candidates, we should still be interviewing candidates. Uh, Pat says that he thinks it's a Rooney rule that like they're going to interview him for head coach and get the Rooney rule out of the way. If that's true, then that means you could rule out Eric Bieniemy because they would knock out the Rooney rule uh, immediately by, you know, um, the fact that we're talking about knocking out the Rooney rule is such a fucked up situation in itself. Like teams do think that way. Like, like teams do think that it's about getting past, getting past the Rooney rule, knocking it off and then moving on to the next one. But the fact that there's a way to knock out the Rooney rule and get it out of the way is a fucking problem. It's just a complete problem. Just like this whole reward for developing coaches. Like that's such a fucked up situation. You should just be developing coaches because it's best for your franchise. No other reason. Not because you're going to get two third round picks, but because this guy's dedicated his time and his effort and his passion to your team. You should develop him as a coach because that's what's right to do as a person. It's fucking crazy. Hi, Jordan. (laughs) What a great thing to walk into. I'm going to finish off James's rant just for my two cents on it. I'm so confident that it's not going to happen. And this is no offense to Rack. He's a great guy. He's a horrible head coach. He's not sticking around. But if he or Jack Easterby stick around in a major role, I'm going to be go be a Cowboys fan, and James will never talk to me again. So that's how confident I am that it's not going to happen. I, I know. Rack doesn't want to be a head coach. So, I mean, he's tried to walk away like three times already since being here. So, I mean – He's not going to be a head coach, but yeah, Jordan, what are your thoughts on the whole report? I think it's bullshit. I think it's yeah. kind of it was put out there to kind of hide all the Easterby stuff and the Amy Palchik stuff. Is that how you pronounce her last name? Palchik. Palchik. Um, so I think they kind of floated that out there because they know it's going to rile up the fans. They know that's not what we want, and so they use that to try and get the rest of the stuff out of the headlines. So I don't, I don't think Rack is going to be the head coach anytime soon. Yeah, I also think uh, the Amy Postick stuff, we didn't talk about that. And, and her being fired, we didn't talk about that tonight at all. Um, from my understanding, she was leaking information, um, and that was the biggest reason why she got fired. So um, putting two and two together, maybe she was feeding Ian Rappaport some information. Maybe Bill O'Brien is still in Ian Rappaport's ear. Who knows, but I, I don't buy that. Like I said, in the story that Ian wrote, there were so many um, terms that you would that he doesn't normally use in his reporting. It was so unsure. It was like evaluating, thinking about, not sure. Like Quotes like that aren't what you normally get from an Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport. So it looked like he was grasping at straws. Uh, Jordan, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right trying this new setup out, and, and we'll try and fix it up next time. But I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I look real pink right now. This is not what pink I wanted. Wall, huh? but yeah, it is a pink wall. Yeah. Not what I wanted when I picked this room in this house, but oh, well, you live with it. It is what it is. What can you do? Yeah. I'm not going to paint the entire room. That is too much money. Too much. But, 
<laughs> but how are you guys doing tonight? The pod was, I, I heard it was an interesting one. I heard that there was some, some vulgar language. We, well, uh, I have uh, I have Cal McNair's I have Cal McNair's email address right here Ooh, in case I'm anybody a, wants take to take a screenshot of that. If anybody wants to send him an email, uh, email him again. You want to email him from now until seven in the morning. Don't email him during the business hours. Your email will get uh, buried. But as of right now, if you email him, there's a likelihood that he'll see it. So you never want to email if anybody's in sales. You want to get a hold of a client. You want to do it in between ten p.m. And 7 a.m. Because during the work hours, that's when they get a ton of emails and they tend to just think about your own inbox. You don't really get any important emails until it's during the day. Okay. It's the same don't thing. give away our secrets, James. I know. I know. That's how I get my, that's how I get our interviews. <laughs> uh, Jordan, what are your thoughts on the Browns before we, we didn't even talk about the Browns. We just talked about how disgusting of a franchise this is right now. The Browns game, it pissed me off in a different way because, like, I went into the game thinking that we're not going to win, but I thought it was for a different reason than why we actually did lose. I thought it was because we weren't going to be able to contain Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt all day long, and it got worse throughout the game, but we were we were holding in there. Our defense was not the issue, not the yeah. issue whatsoever, and it was the offense. And so it's just really frustrating to see after every week, there's a new reason why we lost. It's not like we can just blame it on one thing anymore. It's not just the offensive line's fault. It's not just the cornerback's fault. It's a new issue every week, and that really showcases how much, how many issues there are with this team and kind of how far we are away from contention. But with that being said, like, a, a proper head coach and a proper GM can still write the ship. So, but yeah, that's my, that's my mini rant for, for the day. Yeah. Hey, uh, John, can you uh, highlight I, – I don't have access to it right now. The friend that interns at NRG has been telling me that Cal has Will McClay first on his list. Mm. So he trusts McClay to pick the head coach. That's interesting. I mean, I, I mean, sure, Manhattan, not to disrespect you in any way, but we've been down this path before where – uh, with Harvest, whatever his name is, um, just kind of throwing stuff at the board. So uh, I, I believe you. He's a devout. Uh, he's a devout Christian, but I'm low key scared. Easterby wants to bring in Dabo because the Christian connection. Wow, <sighs> that was scary. Yeah, yeah I, I don't want Dabo anywhere near this team. Uh, that's interesting. Well, thank you, Manhattan. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the insight. Uh, hopefully it's true. I like Will McClay. Um, Jordan, question and answers. All right. Getting into questions and answers. You guys can always hit me up on Twitter. Um, we're going to start with Sean. He says, being a Watson fan from Chicago, after hearing certain Houston radio stations, it seems like all J.J. Watt has to do is act mad after the game, and all his mistakes are swept under the rug. Why is that? Looking at the game against Cleveland, he was part of the problem on Rundy. And James, I know you, I know you got a lot to say about this one in particular, so I want to hear your thoughts. I want to kind of I already, for this one, like duck. Yeah. I, I mean, I already I already <laughs> talked about it earlier. You but, did okay. But JJ, I mean, look, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, one of the better streaks that you'll probably ever see a defensive player have is the most selfish player on the defensive line. He always rushes outside, which in w- does what, Jordan? When you rush outside and you don't stick to your gap and you're rushing, and he'll even move further outside to try to expand his, his basically his angle, what does that do for a running back? 
you lose gap integrity from the defense, and the running back has their eyes wide open because you've got the Red Sea just parted. That's really what correct. And, and 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 JJ did that at least at least five times this last game. I think uh, I think the, the turn up for Watt podcast. Uh, our buddy EC did it. Uh, did a little clip today. I think it was at least five clips of that. It, it's been happening all year. It's been happening for three or four years. It's been happening since oh, it's been JJ's happening. been here. Yeah. yeah, but it, it hasn't been as noticed because JJ would still get 18, 17, 19 exactly. sacks. So you would be able to, and sometimes he would also guess right on on on, on mm-hmm. run plays. So he would make up for it at times. That that guy's gone now. I mean, he's not doing any of that stuff. He's rushing so far outside that he's literally creating a hole the size of myself if I was laying down planked. So and I'm let six me foot one. Kind of interject a little bit here. So this isn't to defend JJ. What oh, JJ is trying to do is get into the 11 tech or outside shoulder on the uh, tight end. Like he's trying to get all the way outside to attack the outside shoulder on the tight end. And for the first five years of his career, he had the highest success rate of any pass rusher ever from that position, from the 11 tech position. He's not that JJ anymore, but he's still trying to be that JJ. Yeah, yeah but at the same time, like if you if if you're an unselfish player and you understand that, okay, like here here's my thing: if JJ did it once and gave up a ten yard run and noticed it was because of his gap, and then the next play didn't do the same thing, then I would be like, okay, I totally understand. But he sees this and he knows. But what he's doing is what's best for JJ Watt. It's not any different than what we've seen from JJ in the past. It, it's just worked out more in the past. Now it's not working out at all. He's not as quick off the off the line as he once was. He's not as powerful off the line as he once was. So he's not able to, like, if you remember back when he was young, he would still line up way outside, but he had the power to push him back to where he could close the hole and force the running back to either bounce out or see, go to another hole. He'd cut back. Now he's go he goes so far out wide and he lacks the power that he can't do that anymore. So that hole, like Jordan said, is a parting of the Red Sea. It is a massive hole because JJ's not JJ anymore. And, and it's not anything against JJ. He's 32 now. It's going to be very hard for him to be who he was. Okay. But it doesn't excuse it and it doesn't yeah. make it okay. No, no, it doesn't. And this is why we used to have why Clowney and John Simon before him would play the opposite um, outside linebacker role and that have merciless rush. And then the guy on the other side would either be Clowney or Simon, and they had to clean up for J.J., so they wouldn't get to rush the passer. Yeah, well, and he also had more talent on the interior of the defensive line for the last three, four years with D.J. Reader. He also had BMAC, who was playing at a Pro Bowl level, and then a young Zach Cunningham. So, you know, those things have changed now. So he's got to understand that he has to adapt his game. J.J. should be playing at the three spot, in my opinion. That That's the only place I would play him. Yeah, my biggest issue with the thing is you guys covered all like the football on the field aspects of it, but the biggest thing for me is is how kind of ironic his statements were in the presser. Like it's it's one thing for you to go out and do that on the field, and and we can bash his performance, whatever, and that's fair. But it's another thing to call out your teammates for doing exactly what you're doing. Like call them out for other things, for missing tackles, for dropping passes, for whatever stuff that you aren't doing. But if you're making those same mistakes yourself, I don't want to hear you complaining about others doing it. Fix your own mistakes before you bash on others. Yep. So that's my. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, well, we talked about that when when Ross had his little issue. 
You know, we we basically said like, yeah. who the who the fuck are you to call out Ross's mistake as a rookie, as a twenty year old defensive tackle who's getting ten snaps a game? Like, who are you to talk and call him out in the middle of a press conference when in that same game, because of you, we gave up a twenty six yard run? No, you don't have the right to do that. You're not that same player anymore. Absolutely. All right, moving on to the next question. We got one from our great intern, Paul Hamlin. Appreciate you. Um, he says, what makes you think Isaiah Coltier actually gets playing time this year if Kenny Stills is barely getting playing time and we barely play our young talent as is? And it's a good question. It's a fair question. Our wide receiver for Kenny Stills, he's averaging around like 20% of the snaps this year. And that's kind of the thing that we talked about. Like, you're not going to have – that wide receiver four is never going to like have like a big time balling game if they're not like rotating them out each week. If it's always going to be Kenny Stills, then that's just the case. And so, John, what are your thoughts about kind of Coulter and where he can get playing time and if he actually will? He won't. That's that's my thoughts. They haven't played any rookies. They're not playing any rookies. This co- part of the problem with this coaching staff is they are so slow to move on. We said at the beginning of the season DeAndre Carter shouldn't make the team. We're what wait week ten. So, Coulter, I, I would love to see something out of him. But our second and third round picks, which are essentially our first and second round picks, they're not seeing the field. They got forced out on the field because of uh, COVID. So, yeah, Coulter, he's not going to see the field unless somebody gets hurt. So, sorry. Absolutely. And as much as I want it to be Coulter season and as much as we want to all see his promise and John Reed's promise and Grenard and Blacklock, like, this coaching staff is already ingrained that it's a veteran season. Whether that came from Bill O'Brien, whether that came from Cal, whether that came from Easterby, I don't really care at this point because that's what they all believe. From Rack to Weaver to Tim Kelly, and so I don't see much changing. Maybe we'll get more snaps out of them in the last like three, four games, but as of right now, I, I'm not very optimistic about it. One thing hey, I am quick, optimistic. Yeah, I was gonna say real quick. Um, if we could highlight Paul's uh, chat, and then two. Um, shout out to Paul for like literally being this kid that comes in and grinds and does so much for the podcast on social media. If you guys could do us a favor and go to uh, Houston FB pod on Instagram, this guy's doing an amazing job. He loads the clips up, he cuts them, he makes them. He's just, uh, he, he's a great dude as well. So make sure you guys go, um, and, uh, and follow that. Thank you, Paul. And then, um, I was going to say something else and I forgot what, um, so I don't know, whatever. <laughs> all right. I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up with this comment right here because thank God, thank God the goat is all good. Um, and hopefully we'll get some, some much needed pass rush next week and the rest of the season. But moving on, next one's coming from Barry Allen. And he says at the beginning of the season, I was really liking what I was seeing from the defense sans the fourth quarter. And now they play like garbage. So what do you guys think happened? James, what are your thoughts on the defense? The defense lacks talent. I think that's a that's a foregone conclusion that there's a lack of talent, specifically in the secondary and the D line. Um, but they also just lack good coaching. I mean, we were talking about it earlier. Like, I think a good to great DC can come in and with this roster on defense make us the 24, 25th ranked defense in rush and pass. Like I think, I think he could. I think with the ta- lack of talent on defense, it could be. But they're lacking coaching in every fundamental way that you would 
think is being ingrained in their head. They're basically being taught to do things against what they were taught to do growing up playing football, gap discipline, um, you know, and, and more that that's really what it boils down to with the D line. It's just their gap discipline. But um, I mean, the secondary is just bad. I mean, you have Fernand Hargraves and Philip Gaines playing most of your snaps at corner. You know, you're not even putting Vernon in like the most, like the one position he's okay in, which is slot. You're lining him up outside. Like I was telling him earlier, we were in a Discord chat, and I was telling him like Vernon isn't great in the slot by any means, but he's much better in the slot than he is on the outside. And you won't even put him there. Like you're better off putting Vernon in the slot and John Reed on the outside. The, that would literally give you a better lineup in the secondary, but yet you're choosing not to. And then with Justin Reed and Lonnie Johnson, you're having Justin play in the box and then play play single high in the coverage safety. And then you're having Lonnie play single high and you're putting him in the box. You're not letting either one of them master a specific position. So there's no way for them to develop in a way that you would like for them to. And it's and that's ultimately what it boils down to. You have Whitney Merciless who shouldn't be on the field. Okay, Jonathan Grenard and Jacob Martin should be your, your outside linebackers. It, it, there's no reason for Whitney. We know what we have in Whitney. Um, so ultimately, I think it just comes down to coaching. And it sucks to say that because you would think like like a lot of a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the players are ultimately there to make plays and do things. And I understand that. But when you're being coached all week to do these things, and then it goes against what you're supposed to do and what you've been taught, it, just, it puts you in a fucking terrible position. Absolutely. And I think you covered a lot of it, but one, one thing I want to add on is just um, kind of the progression I've seen from the beginning of the season to where we're at now. And one thing that's kind of blown my mind, not blown my mind, but with Rack coming over as intern head coach, I've definitely seen a difference with how the defense is, is schemed on the field. Um, in terms of personnel, like you look at the first couple of games, the Chiefs and the Ravens, Anthony Weaver was willing to, he had John Reed starting out there at corner. Then he put in Vernon Hargaves. He put in different guys. He he was filtering in Blacklock, PJ Hall. Like PJ Hall wasn't even the starter in the beginning of the season. It was Omenhu. But he was willing to very quickly make that personnel adjustment. And he was making scheme adjustments, switching up the coverages, more so the most I've ever seen in those two games. And then it started to tail off just a little bit. And it really, really fell off a cliff as soon as Rack became intern head coach. And Rack being the defensive guy he is, he's going to want to have more of his control over the defense. And so... I feel kind of bad for Anthony Weaver in that sense. I don't think this is a great showing of who he can be as a defensive coordinator, but that's not to say that I still want him to be a defensive coordinator in the in the future. Um, I just do think that Rack is kind of kind of handicapping what he can do. But I, I'm with you entirely that like the positional coaches, they all need to go. D line, linebacker, secondary, they all got to go. We need whole new faces because these guys are not getting coached properly. And at the well, end of the day, so there you go. For me, Jordan, and I mentioned this earlier, but, like, I don't understand why we haven't fired Rack as the interim head coach. I mean, like, I don't why? think you want Tim Kelly or Anthony Weaver being the head why coach. Why not? It can't be worse. I guess, I mean, to play, like, devil's advocate, I guess it could. <laughs> it can always get could worse. They could, be, they could be, like, completely, like, not even, like, lining up on the ball properly, not even, like, it was, like, a one-score game last week, and it was still ugly and horrible, but... You know what I mean? Like they could be getting blown out a lot worse. I see where you're coming from, though. But I, I, hard, I, I there's not much room to go down. <laughs> At this point, like even if it's worse, like you wouldn't even know it because it's so bad as is. 
So I wonder if any intern head coach has been fired. That's what I'm wondering. Like, so it's probably just more of a. I mean, yeah. yeah. You stepped into a role that you weren't supposed to do. You're taking on more responsibility. Yeah. You're the company man. Thank you for stepping in and doing what you need to do. It's probably a, it's probably something you don't do. But I agree. The reason why I would want to fire Rack is because you're right. Like in the first two weeks of the season, we saw what we were, we talked about it at length about his willingness to move on and put other players in to step up. And we have not seen that at all since since Bill O'Brien has been fired. We have seen Rack's imprints all over this defense. And that, that for me, is like, that's another reason why he should be fired. Like, I don't know. They should all be fired. At the end of the day, like, I would just um, I would just fire all of them and let the players come up with a game plan and let the players execute. Let it be backyard football because that can't be worse. That would be fun football to watch. Right. It would definitely, I think it would get the fans more riled up. Didn't, didn't Deshaun, DeAndre, and like somebody else come up with that like crazy flip last year, right? The the New England. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, come on, dude. Like, there's no way it's worse. At least on offense, it might be worse on defense. All right, let's move on to the next question. This one, this one comes from Jay, and talking about free agency, he says. You think we should pick up Ryan Kerrigan and Allen Robinson in free agency? You, you could pay for both by getting rid of Watts and David Johnson. And I see where he's coming from. Kerrigan and Allen Robinson are definitely very good players. Um, I think with Kerrigan in particular, his timeline doesn't really fit ours. He's getting up there in age. He probably wants to go to a contender. I don't think he would want to come to us at all. Um, Allen Robinson, though. He's a very, very interesting name. He was, he's the wide receiver one in this free, agent, free agency class. I think all of us would want him on our team. And the funny thing about Allen Robinson and his strengths is he's DeAndre Hopkins. He really Literally. is. Yeah. He's the jump ball possession wide receiver that we underrated and that we are kicking our asses now. And so it would just be so funny to have that mistake and then kind of just compound it by going after the same guy. Um, so I don't think we're going to end up getting either of those, but – on paper, like what the Texans should do? Yes, of course. Those are definitely moves that we should make. Um, I think it's John's turn. What do you think? It depends on what coach and GM we bring in. I mean, as of right now, if we try to keep everybody that is currently on contract, we can't afford anybody. Now, if we have a GM that comes in and decides he's going to clean house but not do a rebuild, then we can afford a lot of people. Like there's a lot of contracts and a lot of money that they can free up. Um, it's just, will they be that aggressive? Will they decide to release Cooks, release – they can't release Cobb. Cobb has dead money. But Cooks could go, David Johnson could go, and their dead their dead money is minimal. And both of them may end up going because I think between the two of them, it's like 4 or $5 million in dead, which is not that bad. And then turn around and get somebody like A-Rob and still sign Fuller to – you'd still sign him to an extension. Like, yeah, you could easily flip that receiving core and you don't pay running backs. Like I hope people will kind of remember whomever we bring in as a GM, but you don't pay running backs. It never turns out well. Every single running back is not replaceable. Like this isn't to say that their skill level can be replaced one for one, but you can put a mishmash together of players and get the same production. And you can get way more production than we can. We're spending more money on our running backs than anybody else. 
we go out and get three pass-catching running backs, and we're still 25th in the league on, on yards per pass to running backs. I mean, so you get somebody that actually has a plan, and you can find running backs to fit his plan. Like, you don't have to pay one, and especially when you have a quarterback. And if you do get some talent, talented wide receivers. Um, so maybe, but I doubt it. And I won't actually have an answer, and I don't think I could have an answer until we see who we bring in and what type of philosophy they have. Definitely, definitely. All right, this will be our last one for today, and I'll answer the rest of the questions um, on Twitter. But from Daniel Blake Hill, he says, Houston has to try for Tack McKinley. I don't, I don't know if you guys have talked this um, yet, but he says, Houston has to try for Tack McKinley, right? I mean, why not? Um yeah, Tack McKinley is the exact type of player that the Texans need to be taking chances on. There's a lot of players who are getting cut wave right now, like Pierre Desir is another guy. Um, and the Texans, they, they shouldn't really be in the business for these kind of veterans, these guys who are on the wrong side of 30, who are maybe better for a contender. But they should be looking for, like, your Gary on Conleys, your Vernon Hargraves. And so, yes, you're not always going to hit on these ones. You're going to have a Conley who worked out for us and maybe not as much as we wanted to, but he's still a good player, or you can have a hard race. And so the odds aren't great, but you got to at least take the chance. you got you got to try. Yes, there's things wrong with Tack McKinley. Yes, there's character issues. Yes, there's injury issues. But this is a guy who's a former first-round pick who had like 10 and a half sacks in his first two years. He showed tons of promise, and he is still a very young player who can still, with a good situation, get back to hopefully get back to where he was. And so... The fact that I believe they don't even they didn't even try um, is very worrisome to me. It's kind of just talking about their entire philosophy and is, is not what we want out of a successful front office. But um, I mean, James, what are your thoughts on Tech? Or sorry, go John. I was just going to say something. The only issue that I'm cool with Tech McKinney not being signed is because he was he felt a physical. Yeah, me too. So there might be something there, and you don't want to pay him his full rookie contract if he's got a serious injury. Um, however, just to add on it before I give it over to James, one of the things that I've been most disappointed is we're not picking up guys off practice squads. Like, we should be coming through looking for those practice squad gems, guys that can contribute. I know there's guys on practice squads that can contribute better than our starting corners, other than one of them. I know that there's at least another safety that can play better than the guys we've had play safety. Like, there's somebody out there. We're not going out and getting them, and that's so disturbing. Sorry, James. I didn't mean to cut in. No. Um... We talked about, I think when we opened, it was more Tack and DeAndre Baker for me. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that we just don't have um, any draft capital. And you're you're at, those are two positions of need that could help potentially turn this around in a quicker fashion, right? You're talking about a guy in Tack McKinley who has shown potential to get after the quarterback, which is one of your weakest areas. You have DeAndre Baker, who, not my top corner in that draft, but a top corner in the draft, um, who would instantly be an upgrade over everybody you have and was assigned to a practice squad on the Chiefs. You could have activated him and put him on a roster. He could have had playing time. Could have just been the remainder of the season at a vet minimum, and he could have went and signed another big contract if he played well, right? Like, there's just so many different opportunities. Like to talk about practice squads, like what we should be picking up a corner every week and cutting Vernon Hargraves and then trying a new corner. And if that doesn't work, find another practice squad corner 
take them, put them on the active roster. Like, there's no reason for us to – whether we're – like, we know the playoffs aren't happening. We know the Super Bowl is not happening. I understand that. But, like, you're looking for developmental players that you can build on. And that's the problem with an interim head coach and an interim coaching staff. They're not worried about the future. Because the future does not hold – they're not a part of that. They know they're not a part of the future. So why would they go look at the future and develop players? Because it doesn't help them. Nothing's going to help them. And, I mean, look, it just tells us where we are, right? The owner, if we can see that they should be taking risks on these guys, and we have never spent a day in the life of a owner, a coach, or anywhere in a locker room, then the owner should have the capacity to understand that we should, he should force himself to sign these guys. There should be a conversation. Like, we tried to get DeAndre Baker. That's great. You didn't try hard enough. Like, that's what Jack, like Pat was telling us before. Like, they tried. Like, we should applaud Jack. Fuck that. We shouldn't applaud Jack for anything. You don't get a fucking trophy for participating and talking to an agent. You didn't get the deal done. Get the fuck out of here. I don't care. You should have gotten the deal done. You should have found a way. And that, to me, just tells me everything about this organization. They are not willing to do the things that are needed for this to be successful. Desir, Pierre Desir is available. There's nothing about Pierre Desir right now. Yeah, and I think one more just quick thing to add on, and it's, it's what Rack has said a lot. It's that they like their guys. He keeps saying that. They, we like our guys, and that shows up like we talked about before with them not playing the rookies and it's showing up again now where they're not willing to take these shots. Like James and John have said, for whatever the reason, despite our record, despite the play on the field, the coaches and the organization like their guys, which should say the world about how they are as talent evaluators and should say that they should not be in that role whatsoever. Um, But that's it for me. Thank you guys for the questions. Appreciate y'all. And yeah. What videos you got coming up this week, uh, Jordan? I'm going to be making an Eric Bieniemy video, kind of talking about the case for him, kind of going over, you know, the negatives about him and kind of saying why, um, kind of like, what's the word, disputing them or, or working against them, basically. Sure. Um, and then I'll just have a couple plays showing what I like about his scheme. Um, and then I'll have an article out about, what's his name, Mike Bergonzi, the oh. um, director of player personnel for the Chiefs, and he should be a top GM candidate. I wrote one article about Ed Dodds already, which you guys can check out on the website. And I'll have our second one on Bergonzi this week as well. Awesome. Make sure you guys go to uh, Texans Thoughts on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure you guys do the same for us at Texans Unfiltered. Make sure you guys go follow Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts on Twitter. Follow me and John. Follow me at Houston FB Pod Guy. Follow John at John Eight Way Three. Um, and you can follow Patrick at Patrick Storm to you and Jair at J I Ear Sports to you. Um, and make sure you guys go to Instagram and follow us on uh, Instagram at Houston FB Pod. Before we get out of here, I want to reiterate: if you are unhappy, if you do not like what is happening to a team that you follow, if you're not happy. You ever went out for dinner and I went to Whataburger and not gotten your food correctly? Did you email the manager the next day? Okay, well, you spent $6 on that burger and you emailed them. Okay, we're talking about $100 tickets, $120 jerseys that you guys are buying. Okay, you have a right as a consumer to reach out to the owner and let them know that you are dissatisfied with the services and the products that you're seeing on the field. Email Cal McNair at cm, or cmcnair at houstontexans.com. Let them know. Make sure you guys go to manscaped.com. 
Use promo code Texans. Get the ball wipes. They're fresh. They're minty. They'll leave your balls tingly. I just came up with that. That was pretty good, actually, huh? Uh, uh, make sure you guys go to manscaped.com. Use promo code Texans. Uh, with that being said, signing off for Texans Unfiltered, I'm James. That's John. That's Jordan. We'll catch you guys next week. Uh, go, go Texans.